Trigger warning, the following episode contains sensitive information about sexual assault that may be disturbing to some listeners. Viewer discretion is advised. Hi, you guys. Welcome to this week's episode of Richipedia. I'm your host, Becca, and today I have with me Kate Neal. I fucked up her name the first time. I'm not off to a great start. I'm a terrible host. How are you, Kate? Welcome back. Thank you, babe. I'm glad to be back. I'm um, so I'm glad. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad to um, be having this dialogue with you this morning. Yes, we're going to have great communication. So the um, last week was part one. This week we're doing part two of sexual assault. And you did point out to me last week that um, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, but May is Mental Health Awareness Month, right? Yes, Which correct. Is, that's got, like, that's our month. This is our month. Yes, it's our time so to shine. Yes, this is our moment. So we're going to discuss, again, a couple of things that we weren't able to get to last week. Um, and I want you to kind of walk me through the process because I know we said we were going to go through what you should do after you experience sexual assault. Um, if so you choose to report. If, yes, if you choose to report. And a lot of people we discussed don't. So, and I didn't, but honestly, I didn't know even where to start. So I'm hoping that we can kind of put this out there and help anyone. First of all, this, I didn't ask you this before, but is there, I know there's a statute of limitations, but do you tell, is there not? Do you tell people to wait? Um, so I'm pretty sure from my understanding that there is not a statute of limitation um, if you have been sexually assaulted. Okay. Um, now, there are time frames for getting like DNA evidence. And there are time frames for things like that. And the longer you do wait, the harder it is right. um, to like prove without a shadow of a doubt within the court systems. Um, but I'm pretty sure at any point in time, you can report it, um, but at that, if it's, you know, many, many years later, if there's not like texted right. discussions about it, or you haven't already mentioned it to a therapist, or um, you haven't already gotten an evaluation or something like that done, then it is way harder to succeed in like a right. legal. Right. So the longer you wait, the more difficult it is. So as soon as you can, um, mm -hmm. and not that this is something you really want to prepare for you know, but just kind of have in the back of your mind or use this, uh, use our resources. But um, so what, I know there are a few reasons we talked about why people don't come forward. And I think my main one that we discussed was fear of not being believed and also not really knowing what had happened, mm -hmm. you know, like not really thinking that it was sexual assault. Yeah, and I'll agree on that um, for myself. Um, I mean, I can only really speak for myself in that regard, but yeah, it definitely had to do with um, societal image and view of not only myself, but the family. Um, and just the way, you know, like, well, she's not a virgin and they don't care about why you're not. Right, yeah, you're tainted. Yeah, and or so- you feel, uh, You're not, you're not, but that's how you feel. Like in your mind, you feel dirty or tainted. And I felt that way too about, because I've, people that I've been with since, it's, it's a difficult conversation to have and it's kind of a difficult barrier to break. And you don't know, like, not that you want to tell everyone, you don't have to tell anyone, but it's something that I find that I talk about to 
um, partners that I've had since because it kind of stresses the importance of consent, you know, and I was messaging a guy recently and I told him, you know, I was like, I know this seems like the bare minimum, but it's really not like it, it sh- I shouldn't be as impressed that you are so about consent, but mm-hmm. I am, you know, cause I was like, a lot of guys out there are not that way. Like there's a lot of really bad guys out there. So the fact that you're so adamant about like, no consent. And he was like, where I come from, no means no. And I was like, well, that seems like it should be the standard, but it's really, really not. So just know like you're a good one because mm-hmm. a lot and of don't do that enthusiastic consent and not just like okay but being like yes like yes one enthusiastic participation exactly um okay I guess kind of thing yes Uh, yes okay so when we're talking about coming forward a few reasons that I have um were you know you don't want to tell your parents um you're afraid people won't believe you you don't remember the details which I guess is also another reason why you want to come forward as soon as you can. But then there's also, you know, like we said, there's other things involved, alcohol, you don't remember blackout, you blackout from the trauma and you're repressing all these things. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's another reason I think a lot of people don't come forward is because they don't even know really what happened. And in coming forward and not, I kind of felt like too, that if I didn't have, cause I was, I was leaving out a lot of details and I'm like, a lot of people are just going to kind of assume, or I thought that they would assume like, well, probably in those blank times that you don't remember, you probably did something that made you think that you wanted to do it. I'm so glad you said that because that was one of the main things for me. Cause I mean, in in addition to the whole societal perspective on it, Mm. I was like, like, and also this is a thing for women is that we often take blame even when it's not our fault like in all aspects of society like I had an adult man make me feel uncomfortable and immediately complimented his shirt to diverge me saying hey that made me uncomfortable and immediately started comforting his ego yes stop the chances of me being like physically harmed or whatever and so we we blame ourselves and women and throughout history have been taught like that they're responsible to some degree. But like you said, if it's in those blackout spots or those spots that weren't detailed, then you were not in a state of mind to be able to consent. So it's like right. I did this. I was like, well, I was drinking, or well, I did quote unquote put myself in this situation. Like you had said, yes. like, well, I put myself in this situation, and people were like, well, what did you expect to happen? Exactly. Well, yeah, it's like that. That's not. That's not. Yeah, consistent. no. I was in my home. I was. I was in my safe place. I couldn't have left. Like he was in my yeah. house, and I don't remember how he got over there. But that doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, jewelry box and your wallet in your house, and someone coming over and taking your jewelry and your wallet, and they're like, "Well, why did you let them in your house?" It's like, well, they yeah. shouldn't have. Taken- <laughs> well, fine. I don't. Yeah, have- I didn't assume that they would steal or rape me when I left them in the front door. I'm sorry yeah. that I didn't think that one through. I just assumed. My bad. I learned my but lesson. You get real mad when we say we hate men or men are trash, but then you still go around and you blame us for trash men's actions or trash people's actions. Yes. Expecting them to treat us like that poorly. But yes. as a society, we shouldn't have that expectation that could possibly happen because that's not fair to them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. <laughs> that is the perfect way to put it. Like, what is this paradox of. <laughs> 
trusting them, but also assuming the worst, like, oh my God. Okay. So another one, this is what we talked about too, is confusion about what rape slash consent actually is, which I think we covered last week too, but mm -hmm. again, just to stress alcohol was something I didn't know that if you are under the influence of alcohol at all, you can't consent. Um, age. We talked about that too. Mm. If you're a minor. If you're no respected, then if you don't feel your no will be respected, then that is not an adequate yes. If you're being coerced, if they keep pressuring you and pressuring you until you're like, okay, fine, that's not consent. Yes. Um, things like that. If they do it anyway, and then they're like, well, now we've had sex, so you might as well give in. You know what I mean? Things like that. Yes. Or if you've had sex before with that person, even if you've had sex before with them, does yes. not mean that you're ready. You know, I, I could have fucked you a hundred times, but if I decide on the hundred and first time that I don't want to do it, then no is no, like flat out. Yeah. You can retract consent at any point in time. Yes. And, and that's a big one because one of- off without the other person's knowledge is also sexual assault because you consented to having sex with a condom in a certain setting and they violated that agreement in the intercourse. Yes. Oh, what too. was the show? Oh my God, now that's going to bug me. I'm going to have to look it up. It was a show. Um, oh my God. But anyway, it, it was a, a British show. It was on HBO. It's going to drive me crazy. I'm going to have to think about it. But, um, but that was one of the things was she was in the middle of having sex. He took the condom off and then finished and then told her afterwards. And she was like, what the fuck? And then didn't realize that she was also raped. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, because that's what it is. I mean, it's true. And also another thing that we were talking about remove or pulling consent at any point, I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day and she was saying that she had hooked up with this guy and then like halfway through it, she's like, I don't, I just felt gross and I didn't want to do it anymore. And he kept saying these things to me that like, I didn't like, and I was like, yeah. So at that point, if you said no, even if he's literally inside of you, if you say no, then he has to stop. Like, that's right. Yeah. To be yes. clear, I feel like we needed to like, I know there's a lot of different circumstances, but basically if you're not adamantly saying yes, just assume that they don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I also, um, I had to explain this to a dude, um, uh, like a while back, um, he like grabbed my ass without my consent. And like, I immediately turned to my friend. I was like, I think this dude just grabbed my ass and my fist immediately, like my hands immediately made fist. And I turned around and I looked at him. I was like, did you just grab my ass? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, why the fuck would you do that? And his friend was like, yeah, I told him he shouldn't have done that. I was like, well, then did you stop me and say, hey, he did this and I wasn't comfortable with this and I don't support this. And then did you reprimand your friend? Did you like, not how you want to be around people? Yes. Whatever. Like, and yes. like, I had the urge to punch this dude in the face and I wanted to. And you wouldn't have been in the wrong. I know, but I was, I was thinking about, you know, whose house it was, where were we at? I didn't want to do this, that. And I, cause we as women or survivors or whatever, we're constantly thinking of all these other people's emotions and the environment across. Yes. And I had every right to punch the student in the face. My body instinctually made fists because for so long I would let all these horrible things happen to me and wouldn't stand up for myself. And now I'm to the point that like, I'm tired of doing that. So this was like the last time I was like, cause that's sexual assault. I told him, I was right. like, you do really 
sexually assaulted me. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you touched my body in a sexual way without my consent. It is sexual assault. Um, and after that, like for a week or two straight, all I remembered was this guy had a gray t-shirt on. So for a week or two straight, anytime I saw a man in a gray t-shirt, I have like, like, um, like I am like, yeah, like I am diagnosed with PTSD. So I'm not saying this in a light way, but I would have like trauma, PTSD, like flashbacks of this even though it wasn't like a full out rape, like the others that I've experienced, but being violated like that and not standing up for myself immediately, I was fearful of anyone in a gray shirt. Yeah. And, and it brings after- back all those other vulnerabilities, you know, it's just like, yes, it scratches the surface of a deeper, you know, wound. You're just peeling the top off, but still there's a lot of shit under there that I haven't mm-hmm. healed yet. So yeah, it brings me back to a place. So you don't get to disregard anything. You know, PTSD doesn't work like that. You don't get to just write off what I'm saying because it seemed like not a big deal to you. There's a lot that was happening underneath the surface. Right. And that's another thing too that like, because it does, sexual assault, obviously, you would think it goes without saying, but it obviously affects your future relationships. And I remember when I was with my ex-husband, like when we first started having sex and it was a very big deal because I remember the first night we talked about it he was talking about his partners and how many people he'd been with and I said something about um the person who had raped me he knew how many people he'd been with or whatever and I was like I don't want to know but he was asking me and I was like uh yeah no I know it was one and it was rape so if you're looking for sex that's not what's gonna happen and he was like fuck okay well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I wasn't ready this was like the first night that I met him and I was like yeah like, I still got trauma my trauma is showing I apologize but just so you know like I'm not com- that's not what this is I don't want to fuck whatever and but he was very patient and understanding with that whole thing of being like yeah you were literally traumatized and there would be times when we were having sex where I would just get like it like just small things that he would do and it would just send me back to that place and in the middle of us having sex even though we were in a relationship I was like, you know, I'm, I would, whatever safe word, you know, be like, I'm not comfortable. And he would immediately stop. And that's, Which, no, respecting, go ahead. Though that's just, you know, respect that you need to give them. Which we need, we also need to highlight that little section right there, because mm-hmm. whether you've been sexually assaulted or raped or molested or whatever you've gone through in that sexual nature, even if you have no history of any of that, it is so important to talk with your partners if you are going to be having intimate sexual relationships with them. One, how many other partners do you currently have? When was the last time you were tested? And then explain to them, like have a safe word, have a discussion, like, hey, I have PTSD. It might not be you doing anything wrong, but that movement might remind me of someone else's that did something that wasn't consensual and have dialogue. Because if you can't have those kind of open questions with these people in dialogues you shouldn't be having sex with them probably anyway right so it's important to talk about those things because yes. if you just lying in the middle of consensual sex like they're gonna feel bad but it might yes. not even- been there <laughs> been there and I did I mean I would just have like meltdowns but that was again I was really young and it was just it was so fresh so like I feel like it's not as big of a deal now but I also feel like I'm more comfortable with saying something and being like look because you don't have to be you know you don't have to just be like hey my name is Becca I've been raped what's up like you don't have to say it first thing you know what I mean but if you are about to start a relationship I agree that it's important and you can kind of break it that's what like that's how I told my guy was like your consent or your 
your uh, focus on consent is a very attractive to me because of my trauma, but also yes, yes. yes, but also very important. And like, just so you know, if at the end of all this, I never speak to you again, like keep that energy because it's important, you know, to get consent. So, okay. And this was another thing that we were talking about witnesses, like the guy who's standing by watching you get your ass grabbed and him being uncomfortable people who are there how I guess I'll just ask your opinion about this how much responsibility do you think people around have to a person or a potential victim or a victim of sexual assault because like the the night that happened with mine you know I told you there were other people around and she basically sent me back into the lion's den but you know I remember telling them and I don't blame them at all because that's not their fault but I remember telling them before, like, hey, just so you know, I don't want to have sex with this guy. His friend has made it clear that he wants to. So I don't, like, if you see anything weird or whatever, y'all try to intervene. And, I mean, they tried to an extent, but holy shit, like, you know, rapists don't give up that easy as it turns out. So, <laughs> you know, what um, What do you think, how, how much of a burden do you think those people carry as a witness? Um, I mean my bestie at the time was there when my first happened and um didn't try to intervene the next day just told me that I had lost my virginity I believe later on um because obviously I wasn't talking about it but this assailant went around and started telling people and nobody believed them um but then my bestie went around trying to confirm his story to people um and obviously we were not friends after that right Uh, yeah I honestly don't think she carries any burden in her heart I don't think she she cares at all or even like recognizes how traumatic and awful that was for me right Um, but like okay so with like the the dude when his friend grabbed my ass right and this is one out of god knows how many times and you know I was like dude and I tell people this all the time. I'm like, look, if men don't respect women, they don't respect their bodies, they don't respect consent, if they're sexist, misogynistic, whatever, entitled, they're not going to care about what I have to say because they think I'm there for them to use at their pleasure. I was like, but another man who is their friend who they value or look up to or have some kind of respect for, if you call them out and tell them their behaviors are not acceptable, they're more likely to listen to your opinion because they actually value you as a person. So I think it's yes. so important to hold other men accountable, just like white people should hold other white people accountable. It's yes. not a black issue that a white person's racist. Like it's the same concept. Like men need to make sure they're holding their men accountable because women, yes. we pretty much all, I, I would say with certainty, we all know someone that's gone through mm-hmm. harassment, rape, whatever. And men never seem to know anybody that would be capable of that. Right. So- like, no, literally where does it come from is it yeah, we're just making it up. <laughs> yes so and I, that was I know we talked after we got off from recording last week I told you about this um there was something on Twitter when you know it was a bunch of like me too hashtags whatever I was reading through sexual assault and one of the guys was like oh so what everyone's just out there getting raped now like all women are just being sexually assaulted now and we're like, uh, yeah, that's the fucking problem. Yeah, that's the issue, bro. We're all pissed because it's happening to everyone. 
And as sad as it is, it's true. But that's a really good point. Because I was thinking, of course, you know, the women would be responsible. But, you know, and this is just general. I shouldn't specify genders because, again, it happens to everyone. So I shouldn't say, you know, but in my case, women, I was the victim. My friends were female. And but then again, this is a 16 and 17 year old at the time. So what the fuck are they really going to do? But it's interesting that my mind went to like the girls helping out rather than the the 32 year old man stepping in and being like, rather than saying, if he starts something, he's going to finish it. He could have gone to him and be like, hey, she just said she doesn't want to have sex. So don't. He could have done that. And I, I swear to God, this is the first time I've thought about that, that his friends could have said something. Because we automatically, because this is the thing, women don't mature faster than men. Mm-hmm. We have societal obligations and we are held responsible for the way society and men view us and whatnot from a younger age. Like we are socialized to know that our value comes from if we can find a husband, our desirability to the other sex by also sustaining from any sexual encounters with them. So we're taught that from a young age. I mean, I was taught from a very young age about like kidnapping, human trafficking, like sexual assault and stuff like how to walk your keys in your hands. I was literally just going to say, putting your keys between your fingers when you walk to the car. Right. So it's not that we mature faster. We have higher expectations and we're held responsible because even if you're a 12 year old little girl that's been raped, they're asking you, well, what were you wearing? Or what this, that, and another, like they still interrogate interrogate a 12 year old the same way they do a 22 year old woman you know what I mean we're still responsible were you outside well did were you drinking well why were you hanging around with someone older than you there's still we're still held responsible so we don't mature faster we are just held responsible for the actions of perpetrators around us and so men don't have that same like like we said men go through this as well right Um, the trans community and the um, like bi community, they have higher rates of sexual assault and violence as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in the queer community and you're a male, like there's way higher chances for you right. to something like that. But at the same time, they're also being conditioned by like, you're a man. I literally had, oh my gosh, I literally had this argument. I say argument. It was an argument um, with, the, <laughs> with this oh. man that like at least half a decade right and he says I could not be raped and I was like what what do you what do you mean he's like I cannot be raped and then people started throwing out all these scenarios which were like either transphobic homophobic fat phobic like all these different scenarios and I'd be like no that's that's fucked up you can't say that that's fucked up you can't say that and he would be like let me correct myself a woman could never rape me. And I was like, I think you've been conditioned by society that you don't even see that you have consent and you have a right to choose who you have sex with because you've been conditioned that you're supposed to always want to have sex with whoever wants to have sex with you because that's what's expected of a man. And like, no, honey, you're, you're being lied to. You're, I'm like, you're telling me that no little boy has ever been raped by an older woman. What about the like students that their teachers take? of them like there it can be so many different dynamics than these like horrible situations other people were throwing out I was Mm -hmm. like what if you consented to sex with a condom and a girl took it off and you got her pregnant and you hadn't consented to having that kind of sex like there are so many different dynamics where this could happen you or what if they do something in bed you're not comfortable with and you've told them you're not comfortable with it like there it can still happen to you but you're so brainwashed by society that you think well I'm a man and I always want to have sex with women so I could not possibly be raped by a woman 
what I was like dude that's very true and that's and that's what I'm saying like when you really dive into it I feel like we could go through because there's a million different ways it could happen but that's why Mm -hmm. it's important to know just if you don't want to then it's right bottom line consent is all you need to know you we can go through a million different scenarios but really if at any point you say no and they don't stop it is right period Mm -hmm. right like man woman doesn't matter we're generalizing here and it's easy I say woman because you know that's me and my friends whatever the most of the people I've talked to are women who are uh sexually assaulted by men just in my experience I'm definitely know that that is not the majority necessarily I'm going to throw out the statistic real quick that you're more likely to experience sexual assault as a man than you are to experience a false allegation as a man of sexual assault. Statistically, false allegations are less than one to 2% of all reported cases, which is far less than half of all the cases that happen every year. And you're way more likely as a man to experience it yourself than to be falsely accused. So also terrifying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, and I have a son and I think about that stuff a lot too. Like I don't, my worry has not been, which I mean, he's six years old now, but still you think about this <laughs> stuff. And, you know, my worry is not that one day he'll be falsely accused because I'm going to teach him the importance of consent, you mm-hmm. know, and I feel, and I'm, I'm far less worried about that than I am him going over to a neighbor's house and being inside with these people that I don't really know, you know, and I was talking to my sister about that this weekend because she has young kids and she's got a neighbor who also has young kids. You know, it's easy to just let them wander in and out of houses and stuff and I told her that you know and she's of course she's being careful too but I was you know reiterating uh like that's like the number one person who does it is people that you think that you know you know the neighbor people who you go to church with all these things that doesn't matter like don't trust anyone essentially don't leave your kid in someone else's house without you there unless you really really know without a shadow of a doubt even then it still terrifies me I don't know that I would ever like let my even then you have to tell your kids because my mom and I didn't realize till I was older, but she was like, no matter what you tell me, I will believe you. Mm -hmm. She's like, daddy, the pastor, anybody that you tell me something about, I will believe you. And back then I was like, okay, mommy, like, thanks for trusting me. Whatever. Didn't realize that she was telling me, even if it's the person I love the most, your father, even if it's someone in the church, even if it's your whoever, tell I will believe you. And like back then, obviously I wasn't getting all the nuances, but she wanted me to know that if anything did happen or if anything made me uncomfortable to tell her, she wouldn't make me hug people if I didn't want to. She wouldn't, she wanted me to understand that I did not have to allow people access to my body or whatever. I love that. Yes. And that's another thing too, is preparing your kids and whoever, like knowing you have to prepare them. And that's a discussion we talked about. Like, at what point do I have that conversation? you know, with my kid and we, and one thing I told her too, is like, you make sure, because a lot of times the adults will be like, you know, don't tell your mommy, she's going to be really mad. This has to be our secret. So letting your kid know, as far as like boundaries and things like that before and letting them know like, Hey, I'm the only person you can fucking trust in this world. If anyone tells you to keep a secret from me, immediately come tell me like, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, and establish all of that before. And I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't know the age which I'm not going to even pretend to know like when and how to have that conversation but as soon as you can and as soon as you feel comfortable like your child can handle it even if they do it in a veiled way like your mom did of being like nobody touches your body you don't have to say you know 
specifics with biological terms, but yeah. you know, no you one touches to you. If that makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to kiss someone on the cheek. If that makes you uncomfortable, like it was all very much like, and that's all very remedial stuff. But yes. in the long run, I was like, Oh girl, that's what you were doing. I got yeah. you. And you're, and you're, she's setting you up early to know that consent to anything touching my body in any way, because that is a thing that they used to do a lot is like, you know, hugging and kissing, like give granny a hug or give, you know, uncle, whoever a hug, but uncle's fucking creepy. And you don't even know that, but you're forcing them, you know, and you're setting this, uh, I guess, sort of standard of being like, it's okay. Let him touch you. It's fine. I'm here and he's doing it. You know, even if it's an innocent hug or whatever, it's letting them know like, yeah, they, mom's okay. She's seen me around him. She's seen me hug. So yeah, this isn't weird that he's touching me or whatever, you know, and it starts small and whatever. Setting those boundaries ahead of time is the important part. Yes. Okay. So, and I also want to walk through reporting because I want you, I know we talked about it last week too. I want you to tell me right after it happens, how to handle it. Yes. So if I am not, okay. So I personally have not reported for myself. I have gone through the process two times with um, some of my friends, Mm -hmm. Um, but I've also done the the research um, this past year and before. So if, if you have been assaulted, I would recommend reporting. Um, Obviously that's your decision. Um, You get to decide on that. However, even if you just start the process. So there's like trauma instinct. So you, uh, a lot of times I'm sure you can attest, you feel dirty, you feel gross, you want to clean, you want to get rid of any evidence of them being like in your space, you want to do your sheets, you want to do your laundry, you want to yes. take a shower, you want to do all these things, right? Um, but that's not going to be useful or helpful in any way if you're reporting. So you want to get there as soon as possible. So I believe in Mississippi, there's like a 24 hour period in which if you go to the hospital, they'll give you the sexual assault evidence kit or commonly known as the rape kit. Mm -hmm. Um, And from what I've experienced, they typically want a 24 hour window with that. Other places go up to 72, but the 72 hour window um, was originally instilled so that they could give you um, counteracting substances for um, like STDs, STIs, all that kind of stuff. Pregnancy. And, exactly. So, yeah. So you, um, so if you are choosing to file, say this just happened to you, as soon as possible, you want to go to the hospital. If you've already changed, you want to like bring the bag of clothes that you were wearing. Um, if it was at your house or something, you have access to the sheets, you could bring that. You can bring whatever um they might have touched if they drank a water glass or something right, like that can beer, whatever yeah so you can bring all that um and you'll go to the hospital um you'll walk in they'll ask you why you're there you can tell them hey like I went through a sexual assault I need to get a kit done and they'll go through this process they take your vitals and all that they eventually put you in this room and then if you get there within time, because if you're not like in Mississippi, if you're not there within the 24 hours, they don't want to do the invasive swabbing and whatnot. If they feel like if, especially if you're taking a shower and stuff, if they feel like they might not actually get DNA evidence, because if you are reporting and they swabbed and there was no DNA present, then that is more damaging to your case than if they say you came in for the swab and they chose not to swab. Gotcha. I didn't even think about that. 
which is huge because yeah. I didn't realize that until recently, but that's part of it. So they might not, depending on how soon you get there. Um, so like the shower and stuff can impede that. So you would preferably, if you know that you're going to report, not shower, keep all the clothes, sheets, DNA, whatever you can. Um, and then you'll go to the hospital and get a kit done. Well, if you go to the hospital, they'll start the police report for you. Mm-hmm. So by the time typically that you're before you leave, there will be police or UPD or whoever is the jurisdiction will show up to the hospital. They'll ask you questions and, um, you know, then you'll get your test done the, the little kit done. They'll give you medications to like antibiotics and stuff for like HIV prevention. They can give you stuff for like, you know, your chlamydia, gonorrhea, yada, 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 to try to like put preventative work in. If you aren't on birth control or like have an IUD or something like that, um, they'll offer you like plan B or something if you want that um, to try to combat the STIs and the pregnancy that could go along with this. Um, They usually have a social worker come in and talk with you as well which I am. Um, so I was just going to say that sounds terrifying, but if it was you, it seems less scary. So good. Yeah. Um, and the last time one of the nurses, she was super awesome. And the social worker was really funny because I'm sitting there and they're giving all these resources that I already know and have already given to the survivor. And I'm like, cool. I'm glad we're on the same page. Um, right. so the social worker will bring you the resources. The police will come and start a report. Um, there's usually a follow-up with the police as well, like to get a written statement, to go through the timeline, um, to try to get as many details as possible. Um, but obviously there are stigmas um, around police interactions and around reporting, which is why there's so few cases actually reported. Um, right. Because of the cases reported, very few people get sentenced and serve any time. Um, and so... And obviously some people can get a sentencing and get registered right. as a sex offender and they, they that follows them. Um, but that's not, that's not even half of the cases yeah. that are put in. So there are the stigmas around reporting, right? And that is part of the reason why people will wait or don't want to or don't exactly. want to go through the hassle. And then you have, it takes typically up to two years to actually have it resolved in the legal system that's given that you have all this evidence and see that's the problem too it's women and survivors in general are expected to have this calm level headed clear view of what has happened to them immediately after this huge trauma yes and even when it's textbook right like i i interviewed a survivor that it was textbook okay like taken phone smashed like multiple locations came into the hospital within 24 hours covered in blood like this whole horrible ordeal right they told her it'll be like two years are you sure you want to do this stop calling her back like just stopped even calling her because I don't know why I can't I can't personally understand it but it's like even when she did follow these steps right she did report she did get a medical examination she didn't shower she had all the evidence she had all this done right she followed all the guidelines that society needs to deem your sexual assault valid enough right you know and she still was discouraged from continuing the process and still has gotten zero justice her assailant wasn't even interviewed like nothing and she came there with a name and the knowledge she knew everything that they had asked her did all the steps and still didn't get it so it's I suggest at least going to get the kit done 
you can start the report and then at that point you can step back if you choose to um but then it's documented and i obviously we've talked about this before therapists are super important right start like the internal healing um because it is such a long lasting traumatic thing um but like you know we have this the the reason or one of the reasons I didn't go report in addition to the societal stuff was like the police interrogation like are you gonna say well you were drinking and you had boys over at night and this that and another where you know what were you wearing um did you fight back kind of thing um and I did actually hear what were you wearing did you fight back and one of the police interviews that I was um listening to and that I would like to point out as a social worker, I do know some of the reasons those questions could be asked with a good intent. Right. So what were you wearing? So they know what outfit to collect to look for data. Mm-hmm. But if you just the first part, then that's like victim blaming. And if you say, well, did you fight back? But if you clarify to get DNA evidence under the nails to see if there's an identifying mark on the person, things like yes. that, that provides a lot more relief to the survivor. And then just the blatant versus, question like back yeah versus did you fight back hard enough because if not then you know you kind of had it coming and that right. was one of the things I wanted to ask you too as far as reporting because reporting for me I can speak I mean you're also a survivor but you have to like you have enough knowledge of the the system and the inner workings that maybe it would be less scary but for someone who has no idea what to expect and had no idea what to expect um I was terrified the first thing that I did was shower we talked about that too because immediately you feel disgusting and dirty. And by the way, I looked up the show. It's called I May Destroy You. 10 out of 10 recommend. It's incredible. And I just remembered that was one thing she was talking about feeling dirty and gross too. But that's the first thing that you want to do. And then as far as reaching out, it's hard enough. But then like you're saying, do you feel like there's almost a coercion to get people not to report from doctors, nurses, whoever, for whatever reason. And why do you think that they do that? I mean, do they just not want to fill out the paperwork or is it like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would say within the experience that I had helping someone report, it wasn't necessarily the medical staff that was really the problem. Now, I will say that they did very clearly ask for only um, female personnel to be in the room. And that's not always allowable um just with staffing and stuff but when it came to the time for like the evaluation and stuff a male doctor came in the room and after the survivor had told me and like a nurse that came in at the beginning that was a dude she I wanted to tell him to get out but I didn't want to make her more uncomfortable and so when he left she told me like hey I know this is so weird but like that guy just coming in here made me so uncomfortable and so after that there was multiple police and stuff that had came in and I would be like hi, you need to leave. And I would tell certain men to get out of the room. I'd be like, you need to get the fuck out. Sorry. And so when the doctor came in with a female, like assistant to like actually be touching the patient, but they were making her take her pants off and stuff in front of this male doctor. And as soon as he came in, I was like, why the fuck are you in here? And he was like, I'm the doctor. And I was like, okay, why the fuck are you in here? She can do this evaluation. You're a man. We specifically said we did not want a man in here. And now you're making her take her pants off in front of you. And he like had leaned forward to grab her and she like the (sighs) fear on her face. I'm like, so are you a man in here knowing what this woman has been through? But you lack the emotional intelligence not to grab at her arm. Right. 
And so it's like even medical professionals, men don't, I don't think, understand necessarily the yes. implication behind it. And like, yeah, the- they need to, I guess, medical staff needs to be trained on that too. I don't know how much, but like sensitivity training, essentially, like, let's make a list of things that could trigger um, a sexual assault victim. Like, I don't know, yeah. a man telling her to get undressed or a man grabbing her or, you know, all these things like yeah. that you would think would be common sense. And repeating the same questions that she'd just been asked by male police officers, like, well, did he penetrate you? Well, did he ejaculate inside of you? Like, could you not talk to the fucking cops? Right. Could you not? We really have to ask her this right now? When Yeah, it's you- been 30 seconds and- since I got raped. And now you want me to go through this and repeat the story 12 times. Right. And, like, that's part of the, like, commonality I'd seen. Because what we were learning in school was, like, you have is few people asking those questions as feasible you want to put whoever's in that room that the person's more comfortable with these yeah. are all ideal situations right right but it was shocking to see complete disregards to that like how are you gonna sit here and say what were you wearing and thank god i was there to mitigate and be like i think why they're asking that is for this reason or right did you and i was like i want to clarify and this is another part of trauma responses. So we know fight or flight, right? That's like a right. very thing we know. Well, there's also a freeze, which is a trauma response. So saying, did you fight back? When a very common response to sexual assault, especially if it's happened more than once, is to freeze and shut down because you're just going to let it happen. Because if you fight back or flight, then you could be killed or right. whatever just sit there and you freeze and you take it or you disassociate or you whatever and association yes yes your body leaves your your soul leaves your body yeah you're like 100 yeah yes like I would be like hey there's fight flight or freeze so not fighting back physically doesn't invalidate what happened to you it just might mean that you weren't in a safe enough environment to be able to fight back or to be able to do flight, you know what I mean? Like yes. free really valid too. But if you had been just a survivor in there by yourself, hearing these, these problematic phrases thrown at you, then you're not going to feel heard or represented or encouraged to continue the legal process. Like it's, yes. and it then it takes at least two years to know all these other things to know, like, if you can get the sexual assault evaluation or evidence kit done, it can take hours. They like put you on a very sterile plane. You stand there. They take one piece of clothing off at a time to wrap it up individually. They take a comb and go through your pubic hair. They swab any place on your body their mouth could have touched. They go under your nails. They swab inside your mouth, all your orifices. They, it's like a very in-depth. Invasive in- procedure. Yes. And it's like even traumatic in and of itself. They don't let you take your clothes home. So you could lose your favorite outfit. You are going to go home and like, like, that's also a good thing to do. You can donate clothing and underwear and stuff like that to hospitals to give to assault victims when they're leaving. But yeah, but they take away all your stuff. And so not only are you being invaded once again, so soon after this has already happened to you but like it takes like it can take two to three hours or more mm-hmm. to get all the swabs done because they have to do it one at a time they have right. to go very it's thoroughly very thorough, yeah 
Mm-hmm. Well, and that's another thing. That's a good uh, bit of advice too, is to bring a friend because, and I like bringing friends to a doctor's office just for non-important things. You know what I mean? Like just if I'm getting diagnosed with anything, because especially if you're in that frame of mind, like half the time you're not like you can't pay attention or you can't listen or whatever. So they'll be able to catch information or like you said, kind of mitigate, like mediate in between you of being like, that's not what they meant. Or like, you need to give her a second. She's clearly have a traumatic experience like we need to you know go easy on her and kind of be there to be like your liaison between mm-hmm. you know and and make sure that your um that your rights are not violated and that's another reason too why I wanted you to talk about it is to make sure like you said I know that there was an experience you had with a friend where you were able to kind of step in and he was kind of thrown off that you knew stuff you know mm-hmm. and it's like making sure that you just like you know your rights when a police officer pulls you over you need to know what's normal, what's not normal for you and what's acceptable for them to do and how you kind of have to push back. You kind of have to like force them to listen to you mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, no, like you, like you said, um, and I'm sure we'll get further into this case um, in the future episodes because there will be more parts, guys. Um, yes, but yeah, no, basically an officer was trying to um, rationalize with me and make me... Um, agree with him that my friend that's a survivor might not have been a credible source um and instead (laughs) and he knew my qualifications he knew he knew who I was because I made that very apparent the first interaction we had together um but he was trying to trip me up into agreeing with him and instead he would be like well this that and another and I would just throw facts and stats and data at him like Mm -hmm. Uh, my and he did get angry with me he like raised his voice and he like kind of snapped and like I did think it was kind of funny honestly because he was like everything I'm trying to like get you to understand you have a cross-examination for and I was like yeah I do because I understand different ways that survivors react and the stats back up what I'm saying and you don't seem to have done the same research like right you'd be like you're mad that I know more about this than you I get it yeah Oh, it's, it's multiple. Do you not see how these stories are very similar? I'm like, oh, it's almost like sexual assault and domestic violence are like way higher in police and military households. Crazy. It's like, that's a statistical analysis or something. He's like, right. uh, or like, it's almost well, like it's been proven. Right. And he's like, or like they wash their clothes and this, that, and another. And I was like, wow, it's almost like they'd been turned down by the system multiple times before and weren't even going to report until they had a friend try to convince them to rely on the system again. And oh, wait, here you are saying once again, you don't believe them because of trauma responses that are documented trauma responses. Like, oh, she took a shower and washed the sheets because she wasn't intending on trusting y'all to give her any justice again. Wow. That's Crazy. Yeah, I encourage her to put her faith in a broken system. She finally did. And here you go, proving us wrong again, or proving us right, I guess, that, you know, this right. is not, and that's not to discourage people from reporting because I know there are a lot of whatever, but it's almost more to encourage you to push through if it, if people are telling you or kind of talking you out of it, coercing you into, you know, writing it off or discrediting you, push harder, you know? Yes. And um, there are times of justice. And I feel like if we do it enough and we basically demand justice from the system, it'll happen. We just all have to do it, you know? And the more you report it, the more like, I mean, because the stats, like you said, the stats are so skewed because half the cases are, or whatever the crazy amount of cases that are not reported, 
I can't even imagine because like I said, most of the people I know who have been sexually assaulted haven't reported it. So I feel like there's a huge percentage of people who are not reporting. Oh, for sure. Well, and that's like, and that's the thing too, because my professor who is a white older man, who is a phenomenal individual and I love so much. He encouraged me 100% to keep pursuing and keep making waves in this regard because that's what he was telling me. Quote, unquote, he said, they're going to be, the authorities are going to be, quote, handling you. And that just means that you're making them uncomfortable and bringing things to attention that they don't want really brought to attention. But the thing being that, the more people have outrage, and this is, I also discuss this among social media outrage and like media outrage. How do you think George Floyd got justice? 100%. Nobody would have walked out. I, it, the whole, like multiple countries were outraged because it was able to be put in the public eye in a way that was undeniable. Yeah. And people were sick. So we can do that same thing, but it takes people being able to discuss it and yes. breaking and like being supportive and analyzing the flaws within the system and offering better alternatives. Like I was pushing for a zero tolerance sexual assault policy on campus as well, mm-hmm. which I don't think is crazy. So like if I someone was just is- gonna say, I would have assumed that that would be a thing anyway, but right. Um, like if, if someone is ruled responsible because um, this is part of reporting. So if you're a student at any campus anywhere, um, you can report to Title IX. So they will, Title IX is a federal regulation. Um, it's like laws that protect survivors. And in Title IX, especially if the other assailant is a student, you don't have to go through the f- like legal legal system, mm-hmm. which is great. It's less stressful, less um, time to take and everything to do it. So if you are a student and you are assaulted by another student, you can take it to Title IX and you can handle it internally instead of having to go through all the other loops, which right. is great. And they don't have to have the same level of like undeniable quote unquote evidence right. like in the legal system. So they can hold a, a party responsible. They can rule that um, a man is an assailant or a woman's an assailant. And then they're held responsible for that. And then at the same time, um, they can suspend them permanently they can make sure they can't go to certain events they can do all these things well my point being that if someone is really responsible for sexual assault or violence particularly on campus they are violating your code of conduct they should not be able to align with the professional and ethical values of the school and that it should be zero tolerance like to discourage it even more because it, it should not it should not be tolerable in any regard. Like if, if you have been proven to do that and be capable of that, then you don't need to continue your education specifically at yeah. that campus. Yeah. I shouldn't have to go to campus and sit in class with my sexual assault, you know, yeah, or my sexual assailant, whatever the word, whatever. Know. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. Like, like, no. about communication. Yeah. I don't want to see a guy who raped me sit in class with me and have to give a presentation or be in a group with him. Mm-hmm. I don't think and like they for. they often do like suspensions um expulsions also an option um but it typically takes like a different level for that though I did have a discussion because I was once again advocating for a different survivor and mm-hmm. she got the max um the max penalty for like for her case and so the guy was suspended for two years 
um, well, he's coming back this coming semester. And um, I talked to the head of some departments and stuff and figured out that because he was going to football games and tailgates and stuff, even while he was on suspension, because those are quote unquote public events. Mm -hmm. And I discussed this with somebody in a position of authority. They were like, well, tell her to come back and talk to me. We can ban him from like the district. We can ban him from football games. We can ban him from certain aspects. So like, or buildings or whatever, even if he is back that he can't go where she will be. And she didn't even know that, even though she had won her case and had felt good about the, like getting her justice the best she could. She still didn't know that she could go talk to them about, Hey, I was at tailgating and I had to get calls from my friends saying your rapist is here. So she couldn't enjoy her college experience to the fullness because this man was still walking around campus, even though he knew what he had done and he knew he was expelled. Right. He just took a little break from classes is all. Yeah, basically. And so like, even then she had gone through the system, she had won and she still didn't know that she could go and make sure he was banned from being on campus physically as well. So do you, I mean, pressing charges and things like that, is that something that you can or should do? Um, I definitely think it, I definitely think it is a restraining order I guess is what I'm thinking I'm sorry like a restraining order a restraining order yeah Um, so I'm gonna be honest with you and this is a we can do a different podcast on this too but uh, I've actually had what they call an order of protection um and so that is when you are in like a relationship like dating someone you've slept with someone you have some kind of um history together And then like in my case, it was a domestic violence situation. And so my partner became abusive and I had to go to the court systems and the judge came back in the office at the end of the day and signed an order of protection, which is kind of like a restraining order, but without having to pay the lawyer fees and stuff for it. And so it gave me legal protections that if I was anywhere, I could, I had my documentation and if they were there, I could show the people there. I could call the cops. I could do whatever. And that person would legally have to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe they can renew those three times and they're three months at a time. And then after that, you have to get a long lasting uh, restraining order. But that's also a potential, especially if like the person you were saying has you, you've dated or you whatever before. Um, that's a very quick way to protect yourself and have legal protections. Though in that instance, um, the person still broke the restraining order and showed right. up night anyway. Uh, well, that's like the I, movie uh, Enough. I don't know if you've ever seen it with J-Lo. And she goes, because her she has like an abusive husband. And she goes to the cops and tells them, you know, he's beating me. What do I need to do? And they're like, well, you can take out a restraining order. And she holds up the paper. Is like, what am I supposed to do? Throw this at him when he comes and attacks me? Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. You know, like. But still having anything, I mean, covering all your bases, because I never knew, I've never even heard of an order of protection. Yeah, well, and the thing being that, so obviously we know that you, it's a very stressful process to report sexual assault or domestic violence or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. a very stressful process. It's like a lot of reliving. It takes a lot of time, a lot of evaluation and stuff. It's not a fun thing to do, right? But I would still encourage everyone, especially if you're within like that first little bit of it happening, to go ahead and get it documented, get it documented, like either legally, medically, with your therapist, however you want to do it, Mm -hmm. 
And then if you can get an order of protection, if you can start this case on this person, even if it doesn't come to light and come to fruition and get justice for you, there is a chance, because this has happened in other cases I've studied, where decades later, another woman finally got the guts to go for it and report. Well, then there's a, there's a record. And then there's this pattern. So I, you might not necessarily get justice for yourself, but if this person continues on this lifestyle and other people have the courage to also go forward, then you can recognize a pattern and chances are like, how long did it take Cosby to get busted? How long did it take people? It's like, it's, that's another thing too, is like what you're saying is basically having it already written down. So, because when one person, just like, let's say Bill Cosby, when one person comes out and you're like, oh my God, I was also assaulted by him. And to people who don't understand it, they're like, oh, what now all these people are coming out? Like, oh yeah, you, you know, they're looking for fame or money or whatever. And it's like, no, I have documentation. So it's a good backup to be like, no, I'm saying it now, but also you can go check my fucking medical records from 10 years ago. Then I told them that this piece of shit raped me. So I've got back, like I've got, I've got the, I've got the receipts to prove it. So it doesn't look like all these women are just coming out of the woodwork, trying to take down this man or get money or whatever. Stupid. Because like we've discussed already, the chance of you getting any justice to the perpetrator serving any time are like really, really low when it comes to reporting. So money where like they don't even often pay for your medical bills like a lot of women have to pay for their sexual assault evidence kits out of their pocket which is like a thousand dollars okay so where's the money where's the fame do you know a single one of the women's names that came forward for bill cosby because i don't right right brett kavanaugh don't remember her name either and so it's like how where are they getting money how are they getting anything because all these incels are coming forward dragging these women through the mud mm-hmm. and what are what they're not gaining anything from it they're speaking out trying to prevent the exploitation of other people in the future so it's like your logic yes. is but yes. also we're gonna do our best to have receipts we're going to do our best to take care of our bodies physically we're going to take care of our mental health so if these things are happening you want to make sure you're taking care of yourself mentally physically and all these things as well Yes. And just like you said, I can't remember if it was this one or the last episode, that if they have these um, mannerisms or these ideas about what consent is and how to have sex and whatever, then they're probably, they've probably done it more than once. Like that guy that I, that assaulted me probably did it to someone else or at the very least, you know, because just like tearing the line of being like, "Mm," people who like, I didn't do anything to you. Yes. Yes. Like, Say so, yeah. He did. We know he doesn't think he did anything because he told me to my fucking face. But right. you know, if but if someone did come out, if someone were to say his name and be like, "Yeah, I was sexually assaulted by them," I could go back and be like, "Yeah, me too." But I wouldn't. I'm not gonna say it now. You know what I mean? I'm not, I would never put his name out there. But if someone were to come out and say, you know, this guy did this to me, I could be like, "Yeah, me too." And it might look suspicious to you because you'd be like, "Really? Twelve years ago, this guy did this to you, and you're just now saying something." I'm like. But I'm not just now saying something. I've I've got lots of friends and whoever, but I don't, as far as like documentation, I don't have that. I don't have any proof of that. You know, it was years ago. I, mean, I don't have any legal or medical documentation necessarily, but when I was 15 or 16, after my first therapist sobbed, but my second therapist, I ended up telling. 
And so when I'm 16, 15 years old, she has detailed documentations in her notes about the things that I had told her. Right. And she, I didn't want to report and she knew all these things, but it is documented in that aspect. So even if you don't feel comfortable or you don't want to or whatever, go through the legal or the medical procedures and stuff. I mean, I would advise getting evaluated for STIs and I would advise taking some kind of contraceptive or something like that. Um, But at least talk to a therapist about it. And like with the title nine thing too, if you are a student, even if your assailant isn't a student, they offer like free counseling services and stuff like that. Um, But there's plenty of online sources and things like that that you could find to talk to a therapist or just talk to somebody to get it written down in a case if you didn't right. want to get all the other things to having so it you have to, even if you don't have their name and so like even if I did because I've told my therapist but she doesn't know his name so even mm-hmm. does that matter I don't think so I mean I guess anything's better than nothing yeah and I mean my therapist knows the name I like we did the whole writing a letter thing obviously it was never intended to be sent to this person but it was for like me so like I would write a letter about how it impacted me and all this stuff and like she's like you can keep it and you can burn it mm-hmm. you can send it up in a balloon whatever you want to do but just like to try to address it because the longer you let it just sit it's like okay it's this is an analogy I use so like say you ha- eat dinner right you're eating pizza or whatever and instead of putting your pizza up you just throw it under the bed and like for a few days that's, that's probably going to be fine it won't be a problem but the longer you let it sit under the bed the grosser it's going to get mm-hmm. and like that's the same way it's like yeah you can kind of push it to the side a little bit yeah. try to get yourself a little bit compartmentalized yeah, but if you leave it there, it's going to be so rancid and gross and toxic. It's going to hurt way worse to clean up that pizza than it would have been if you started working on cleaning up that pizza on the day or the next day or whatever. Yes. Um, so I get it. Trauma happens. We It's hard to address. But at the same time, the longer you let it sit, the sna- more stagnant it's going to be. Yes. And like I cry for like over a year and a half after this happened to me. I was just so numb. And now I'm huge about like, you know, we're mainly water, which is why the full moon messes with us, whatever. But also we're water, right? So if you let it sit there and stagnate, that's when all that gross stuff grows out in the ponds, right? And you get all these bugs and stuff. And then, but if you're crying, you keep it flowing and you keep cleansing your system, not feeling your emotions and you're just letting yourself be stagnant. You're not helping yourself. You're like, toxifying your environment yes and you know excuse me one of the things that my therapist said too when I because I told her you know it's been years and whatever and when I told her I still followed him on Facebook she was like Becca and I was like I know I don't know it's some sick thing that like I don't know what I'm waiting to see but I just couldn't like detach myself from it but it made me so mad to see him because like I'm suffering I won't say every day because I've gotten to a point now to where you know but it still definitely affects me in my relationships and, mm-hmm. and she was like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sound mean when I say this, but this dude is not thinking about this. Like, it's probably not even on his radar. You know, he got over it. You're the one who's left carrying that baggage. You're the one who's still dealing and suffering with this. Why? Like, don't let him take away that power to leave mm-hmm. him off Facebook. First of all, what the fuck block his ass. And I was like, okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. And as soon as I did doing that or writing a letter and burning it, any of those things, like do something that makes it feel a little bit more official Mm -hmm. and that kind of starts the healing process. But it took me 
12 years of, you know, suffering and going through all this and, and my heart stopping if I saw a guy who looked like him or like tensing up when I heard his name, you know, things like that. All of those things were happening for years. And then as soon as I decided, like, he, I'm not letting this affect me anymore. I'm not letting him control me. I'm not letting his stupid impulsive mm -hmm. actions affect me for the rest of my life. As soon as I did that, I started healing. So putting it off, like you said, eventually it's going to have to be fucking dealt with. Putting yeah. it off doesn't help. And if you'll just start dealing with it now, I'm not saying, I mean, everyone has a different degree of assault and whatever, but I feel like I healed so much more quickly. It was like a quantum leap of healing, you know, that's just like all of a sudden, like, yes, I feel better. I feel lighter. It still hurt me, but he doesn't have that power to make me feel that way anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because you say that. And I started, I guess I started like therapy and treatment for this. And I've had trauma specialists and I've had all these kinds of people help me with this, right? Like have actively been submerged in recovery and healing for this. And then I've continued education where we learn about like therapeutic releases and stuff and have applied that to myself. But it's been probably eight years, right? Since the first one happened. And I went in to throw axes the other day. And there was a guy with a similar body type and like hairstyle and stuff to my first assailant. And I like froze and almost ran out of the, the place and it wasn't even him. And then yeah. like within week, my friend, actually the one that was there, there even with me um, mm -hmm. that day, she had posted a picture with her cousin on Snapchat and I like freaked out and like was like wait who the fuck is that like whatever and she was like oh that's my cousin so and so and I was like I thought that was insert name here right and she, oh no, no 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 he's a good guy he's a good guy and I was like okay well I just immediately had like a heart attack thinking you were with him yes that you this guy that she knows about like she wouldn't she would not do that but right like, but in the moment was, you don't think that yeah similar hair similar body type but yeah. I was like like here we go oh, again yeah it happened multiple times because I serve at a bar and there would just be I mean the, the dude who did it is like a basic white guy tall dark hair whatever you know so it's like anytime you see someone that's even remotely looks like him it genuinely and it's gotten a lot better now like I said but for years I would see it and my heart would stop. like I like you're saying freeze it's like that feeling of if you've got if you're speeding and the cop lights come on behind you and that like sensation of like blood rushing losing your leaving your body you know like that is the feeling I got of just being like oh, all my hair stands on its ends and just my heart stops and I can it palpitations happening in my chest like I swear to you that's how it was yes anytime I would see him and I thought I'd see him and couldn't breathe and then be like oh okay like it's okay but you're you know I'm shook for another five minutes after just trying to get composure back and this is a dude who's not even him you know Yes. No. no, it's literally and see that's such a great explanation to me is the the cops, the yes. like cop things, yes. which is also a whole another thing we could talk about. <laughs> but like the feeling that sinking, like gut wrenching, oh no. Panic. But yes, like that is unfortunately so relatable to me. I've never been able to put it in a context that, like that. Like, that is the way I describe it to people, is that's the only one or like if you got caught. Uh, like when I was younger, my dad called alcohol, called me with alcohol. And as soon as he said my name, it was like oh, that moment when like, oh, fuck, I'm in trouble. You know, like, oh, shit, I can't. There's you like impending doom, basically, of someone's coming or something bad's about to happen. 
Okay, so is there um, a last piece of advice that you have as far as, you know, we went through reporting, what else you can do? And you gave us some great resources, a title, title nine I'd never even heard of. So after you go through, you say, don't wash clothes, don't shower if possible. You go through the reporting. Is there anything else you can think um, of? I would say, I guess the, the other piece of advice I would have is that if, if you are not a survivor or if you are, you know, in any context, so man, woman, whatever, if you have not experienced sexual assault, violence, rape, whatever if someone feels comfortable enough telling you that they have you should not be sitting there deciphering if you think you believe them or not if someone is able to be that vulnerable and open with you you should immediately tell them something along the lines of I can tell you've gone through something traumatic and I'm here for you and I'll be here for you whatever you decide you want to do yes and don't try to force them yeah, don't try to force them to respond in a way you think they should. They have already had their power taken away from them. And you don't need to be taking more power away from them. Now you can ask their consent, you can encourage them to go report, you can do all these things. But you don't need to be sitting there deciding if you believe them. And yeah. more than anything, they need to be told they're believed. Because I know grown adults that have told their families when they were kids, and their moms or their whoever didn't believe them. So they never talked about it again. Right. And that was still eating up them inside yeah. for decades. And then let it happen again because it's like, okay, this is obviously something that's acceptable. No one believes me. Even if I do tell them, no one gives a shit. So whatever. And you right. Just and and statistically, norm. yeah. And statistically, if you've gone through one and like, I haven't gotten any kind of support or anything, the chances of it happening again are like higher. Because right. you don't have the support system. You don't have the, like, at that point, like, your self-worth can be into question. You can, you know what I mean? You can, Or yeah. we yeah. haven't talked about this either, but there are different responses. So there's, like, hypersexualization that can happen. And then there's also, like, being repulsed by any kind of physical contact. Or there's, like, in-betweens. But some people just immediately are like, oh, well, people just want sex for me. So I'm going to choose who I have sex with and I'm going to sleep with everyone. And like, that's just like re-traumatizing, but they're trying to reclaim their power. And then at that point people are like, see, they're a whore. So obviously that didn't happen to them. Yeah. It would be like this. (laughs) Yes. Hypersexualization. I'm I've never been able to put words to it. That is exactly what it is because that Mm -hmm. was a thing too, is like, yeah, you decide like, like you said, your power's taken away. So it's not that you're a whore, but that's exactly what happens. You take control because it's so important to you to know like, hey, this this person is not having sex with me when I say no. So now I feel like I need to give it to them. You almost feel out, or for me, I almost feel like I'm like rewarding people for consent. Like that makes me want to have sex with you more, you know, is for for being open to when I say no, you, you stop like, oh my God, that's hot. Let's have sex. <laughs> You know, hypersexualization is definitely a thing that Mm -hmm. happens. A good trauma response. That's a good way to put it. Oh, yeah. And then there's also people that go the other direction and they don't want to be touched and they isolate and they only wear baggy clothes and they never wear makeup and they always have wet hair or whatever. They're trying to deflect or they put on more weight or they lose a bunch of weight or whatever to try to make themselves more undesirable. Right. But then the hypersexualization is huge too. So if you know someone that's told you they've been sexually assaulted, And then you're like, well, why do they sleep with five new guys every week? 
and you think that that somehow means that they probably weren't assaulted because look how freely they have sex that doesn't necessarily contradict their experience it actually kind of aligns with it more because at that point they see themselves and their value for sex because that's how they've been like conditioned Mm -hmm. okay we keep I don't know what's wrong we keep having these technical difficulties so we're losing you but I'm gonna hurry up and wrap this up there will be another episode that we have planned I'm not sure when it's going to be but we're going to talk about some more stuff. Um, I want to talk specifically about universities and how universities handle uh, sexual assault and stuff. So I know that I want to have you back on. We can talk about anything. Love talking about our trauma together. Um, and yeah, do you, and I think you gave, I mean, you gave great advice. And another thing that you pointed out too was the friends be an ally, men be a, uh, not responsible but make sure that you're calling out your friends to be as respectful as they need to be mm-hmm. for sure um yeah definitely believe survivors support survivors call out men and women yep, that violate right. people's yep. consent um or that them's days all of them uh right. anyone every person should be you know, respectful of people's boundaries. You shouldn't be even hugging someone or touching them or touching their hair or anything like that without consent. And so you definitely should not be doing anything else without their consent, but we will be back. We will continue this dialogue. That's Um, right. And y'all until then y'all keep the conversations going. Let's normalize it and make everyone feel comfortable reporting or reaching out. And thank you. So I'm so glad you came back again this week. Yes, of course. I'm so happy to be here. I, um, it's great being able to be vulnerable and and channeling negative life and experiences into trying to help other people um, accept or know what happened to them earlier so they can start their healing too. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on and we will see you guys next time. Bye y'all. Bye.